Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of the Joy and Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy even in infertility. Hey friends, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you are healthy and safe and just peaceful. I think peace is what I'm praying for most for you right now. Can you believe where we are? Can you believe how much the world has changed in just the last two weeks since our last episode? It's surreal when I think about just a few weeks ago, things were so normal and how quickly now things are just not. I want to chat a little bit more about that at the end of our conversation, but today we have a guest on that I want you to hear from. Before I introduce her to you, I want you to know that I really struggled with what to do with the podcast this week because it seems like everything is different, so the podcast should be different. This conversation I'm going to share today happened in February. The world was a different place back then, but what I finally decided is that the truths are the same as they were in February as they are now. You ladies are still walking through infertility today, just as you were then. And so we're going to keep the podcast as we always do. We are going to share stories of women and men who have or are walking through infertility and striving to love Jesus and trust him more through it. And I know that through those stories, those truths are applicable to even the situation that we are in today and the turmoil and the anxiety that can happen. There are truths in all of these episodes that can be applied to today. So that's what we're going to do. Today I'm chatting with Melissa McLam, a mom of three miracles, two adopted kiddos, and one natural surprise. I wanted to have Melissa on because she is of a more mature age. She's past the trying to conceive stage. Her family is complete, and she's had a lot of time to reflect on her journey through infertility. And one of her passions is to encourage us younger women who are still in the thick of trying to conceive and walking through infertility. He was trying to teach me patience. He was trying to grow me into the woman that he wanted me to be so I could be the mother that I could be to these children. That is such a beautiful perspective long-term of what is happening in our hearts. He's preparing us to be those moms. And I can't wait for you to hear more from Melissa. Don't forget to stay around to the end so we can chat a little bit more about what's going on currently in our world together. But for now, let's get to my conversation with Melissa. Well, Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm so glad you reached out. I've started following you on social media and you are quite the inspiration. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. So tell us about your family and who you are. As you said, I'm Melissa McLam and I have um, three kids who are 19, 16, and 9. And yes, that is a huge (laughs) age gap. Um, And I've been married for 27 years to my husband, James. And um, just I have the privilege of being able to stay at home and work from home and um, be there for my kids um, when they get home from school. So that's been a blessing. So you have three kids. Yes. They're obviously a big, big age gap. Tell us about that journey because obviously you're on the Joy and Infertility podcast. So tell us what that what that journey was like for you and Jane. Um, it was, um, it, you know, I have been pondering and thinking back to when that whole journey began, which was about four years into us being married, and we were about 26 years old and we were ready to start having a family. And I was a little apprehensive, um, to be honest, about being pregnant. Um, Some girls like crave the idea, I think, of being pregnant. I was, you know, 
like I said, kind of apprehensive about the whole thing. Um, but I was excited and both of us were teachers at the time and we both love kids. And so we were super excited to start our family and tried for the traditional one year and nothing happened. So they started the typical journey of infertility drugs. Um, let's explore if it's you or if it's him. Let's explore why this is, you know, why this is not happening. Do this test, that test. And the we went through it all. Like we went through the drugs. We tried the IVF. Um, it all failed. And I had the shots in between, which my husband really enjoyed giving me. I don't know if, if you've <laughs> ever experienced that yourself, um, but he really enjoyed that, which was, you know, it was, that was kind of a, a growth in our marriage, I guess you would say. Um, but he has a great, cause you're like, I'm not, enjoying no, this. I'm not. Like I, I said to him, I think you're enjoying this a little way up, you know, way too much. And I was really honestly shocked when the doctor told me, okay, your husband's going to do. And I was like, what? You just have to make sure you're not in the middle of an exactly. argument. <laughs> <When he does> exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, I guess we exhausted all resources. We had always planned on um, adopting a child because my husband is adopted. But we mm -hmm. just never thought that that was how the Lord was going to start our family. And um, so after exhausting all resources. Did they ever diagnose you with anything? Um no, not really. Like the only thing okay. they could really tell me after going to an infertility center was that I had low progesterone. And okay. um, even after the IVF failed, the, the only other thing they could tell me was that I basically had what they call old eggs. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, very kind, right? And that for a girl who was 20... Eight, I guess at the time, 20, no, 29 at the time that my eggs were more like a 40 something year old lady. Um, which is funny knowing your story. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> so, um, after that IVF had failed, we actually had already reached out to a local adoption agency while we were going through IVF to just start the process and to see if that agency was a good match for us. And um, once it failed, we reached back out to them and we said, we're just going to focus on this. We both had, we're just exhausted from the emotional journey of infertility. Um, and so we decided to pursue adoption at that point. Well, so I, asking this question, I know it's kind of a, a weird question, but did you ever, did you ever get any, I would say feedback would be a kind word, um, that, oh, okay, so you can't have kids, so now you're going to resort to adoption, like, almost like it is not okay that you decided to pursue adoption that way, um, instead of, like, adoption to begin with? Did you ever get any flack from I don't that, think so. From the agency or friendships? No, I really don't. I think people were genuinely, um, our friends were excited that we had decided to make that choice. Our parents were very supportive mm -hmm. um, of us in that regard. And so, no, I don't really think we ever did, to be honest. I think okay. people saw that we were emotionally spent 
from four years of Mm -hmm. trying and um, they were genuinely excited for us. We started that adoption process and we were very fortunate that um, we only waited six months for our first first child yes to adopt which was very incredible it was a relatively new agency at the time and so they had only basically been in business I think about a year or less and she was the first girl to um be adopted through the agency wow yes (laughs) um So that was pretty exciting. And then um, we waited for about a year and then decided to go to start pursuing our second child through adoption. Okay. So did you ever try to consider, try to pursue it biologically? I mean, we did still, but we didn't, we weren't seeking any doctor's help or anything. No treatment, but no No, Exactly. I just kind of was like, what's the point, you know? And... I felt like, okay, if this is going to happen, then God's going to allow it to happen in its time. Um, mm-hmm. And then it did, actually, while we were waiting to adopt our second child, um, I did get pregnant. And mm-hmm. I was pregnant for about four weeks before I knew I was pregnant and then ended up having a miscarriage. Um how far along? I was about six weeks, seven weeks, maybe along. Oh, okay. It was about the time that you, maybe even eight weeks, to be honest with you. And it was about the time you go in to hear the heartbeat. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I had started bleeding a little bit. And so they asked me to come in and checked, you know, they did the ultrasound to see if they could find a heartbeat. And there was no heartbeat at all. And so they sent me home mm-hmm. because they felt like I would probably pass the baby naturally, but Mm -hmm. then I ended up having to be rushed back to the hospital within a couple of days and have a DNC. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the next adoption happened two months after that. Oh, my gosh. That was a tough year. It was a tough year. We we started the year. It was in January that I had the miscarriage. Our dog was killed in February. And then I know it. And then in March, we get a call from our agency that there's a birth mother interested in us. Would would we be willing to come in and meet with her? And then in in April, um, our second child was born. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Did you ever think for a second, like, maybe it's not the, not the best year, so we shouldn't agree to this? Or were you like, nope, this is happening. This is what God called us to do. I just felt like it was what God was calling us to do, honestly. Um, I remember the fall before all of that happened, we were invited to a marriage retreat at the last minute with our church. And I had just been on a retreat with women where I was leading in worship about two weeks before that. And... So to go on two retreats away from our two-year-old daughter at the time within the same month, I looked at my husband on the way and I said, I think God is up to something. Like, I think something amazing is getting ready to happen for us to have time away this close together. (laughs) Or you you better brace yourself for what's coming. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh, gosh. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't ever really think I questioned, oh, this might not be the right time for us. I just... I just felt like it was his timing and in his way. And if I had carried the baby, um, we would have practically almost had twins because we were, we wouldn't have said, no, we're not willing to adopt this Mm -hmm. child because I'm pregnant with another one. So they would have only been like four months apart. (laughs) Yep. That's how my grandmother, I mean, it was a little bit different, but they, they couldn't have a baby. And so they adopted my aunt and then nine months later had my mom. And so she had a nine month old and a newborn. Wow. Which I can't even imagine because twins, at least they're on the same developmental like process. Yeah. (laughs) They're around the same, but nine months or four months apart. That's just a whole nother level of, of yes, you're right. It is (laughs) (laughs) definitely. So that's, that's baby number two. So that how far apart, are they one and two? One and two are three years apart, almost three years apart. Yeah, okay. she. They're so a girl and a girl boy. and a boy. Um, Eleven days shy of um, being three years apart. Their birthdays are both okay. in April. So April is springtime is a good year time for our family. <laughs> um, yes. And then baby number three was our. I mean, I think I shared with you. I really feel like all of my children are miracles. Um, Right. I love how you said yeah, that. Yeah. Like when you look at my children, people are like, they are, you have two older children that are adopted. They all look the same and they do. They favor each other so much. And my son, his baby pictures look so much like my husband. Um, mm-hmm. And my daughter's pictures to this day, um, people are like, is that, Sarah Beth, or is that Abby? Like, they can't tell the difference. <laughs> um, so crazy. It is. Happened. It's really crazy. But um, when my daughter was um, nine years old and my son was six, um, so first and fourth grade, I was getting ready to turn 40. And we were done having children as far as I was concerned in my head. Um, In fact, I had had a lot of um, just medical issues that had transpired between the age of 35 and 40. And having another baby was the furthest thing from my mind. But all of a sudden... um, Right before I turned 40, one month before I turned 40, I found out I was pregnant with our by our only biological child. And I was just stunned and probably feeling at the time like this really cannot be happening right now. And, you know, I had just gotten a little bit of freedom since both children were in school and I was enjoying my time during the day and I had just gone back to teaching part-time in a preschool and I thought, oh my goodness, this is really going to rock my world. But honestly, it has been nothing but a blessing for our family and it really, I feel like in a lot of ways, it it's kept me young and just um, brought such sweet life to our family that she that she came um, so much mm-hmm. later than the other two. So you are you had her at forty. So you have a nine year old. I do. 
I do. So, so I love how you, when you reached out and you were like, listen, I need to talk to these ladies because I'm on the other side of it. I'm, I'm older and I've, I've, we're done and we're kind of past all of that, that struggle. And so I I wanted to have you on because your story reminds me so much of my mom's. It's a very similar story. And I just, there's such wisdom with being on that other side and have experienced and experiencing so many things, miscarriage and your miracle baby and not wanting it after you get it. Cause you're like, I'm this, I'm too old. I'm yeah, done with exactly. this. But then, and then, and then experiencing the joy and then the adoption. And so I just feel like you have a lot of wisdom to pass on. And so what would you tell the ladies listening who are still just in the thick of, of infertility, just the pain, there's the really hard stuff, you know, um, when you asked me that question to look over it, I was like, Oh Lord, please just give me, help me remember. Um, I think what I would say, first of all, is don't try to second guess what the Lord is doing in your infertility journey. And what I mean by that is, is don't keep searching for why is this happening to me? And if I just fix this in my life, then God will give me a baby. Or if I just correct this in my life, God will give me a baby. I think that was a huge mistake that I made um, because I'm a fixer. Give us an example. Like like if I just spent more time with you. Yes. Like if I just, you would bless me more. Exactly. If I spent more time in your word or if I, um, exercised more and took care of my body better, then you would bless me. Those kinds of things. Or if I was just being a better mom, um, to the one, one. you know, to the Mm -hmm. one child you have blessed me with, maybe you would, you know, um, bless Mm -hmm. me with a second one, because I know so many women who have one child and then they struggle, then their infertility starts. As all moms do. But it's, it, it's amplified when you're wanting that second, you're like, oh, well, maybe I'm just not a good enough mom. And, right. and the Lord knows that. Right. Yeah. That was definitely a, a battle for me. Yeah. I think that that was one thing that really, that Satan really used against me. And mm-hmm. um, so I really sought the word in studying women in the Bible who dealt with infertility, um, which is why one of my children's names is Sarah Elizabeth. Because, um, you know, both women thought they would never be able to bear children and then did in their old age. And so, you know, in my old age of 30, um, I thought my husband and I really felt like that was just the perfect name to give her. Um, Mm -hmm. So that would be my first first thing. And then the second thing is have friends that are older than you to encourage you on the journey. Um, I had a lot of women in my life who were five to 10 years older than me, who knew what I was going through and would pray over me and would check in on me. And one in particular, I remember she and I both were musicians. We were both music teachers in different schools. And I remember we were doing a workshop um, one summer and she came in and she said, I just feel like the Lord has told me to give you this verse to encourage you. And the verse was from Isaiah. And I still have that verse marked. Um, It lays on a desk in my living room to this day, where Mm -hmm. um, I felt like the Lord used her to to really touch me and say, Melissa, I am going to bless you and I am going to give you descendants. 
You Mm -hmm. just got to be patient and wait. And that's the hardest part. On that note, why do you think you had to wait? Now that you're on the other side, you see, you kind of see the whole journey 2020, you can see it all. Why do you think the Lord made you wait? Why do you think he gave you the journey that he did? What did it do? Wow, Kaylee, that's big. <laughs> I didn't send you that no, one. You didn't. I didn't send you that one at the time. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it's funny you asked me that question because I honestly asked another friend of mine who was going through infertility at the same time I was, sort of the same question. Um, I asked her, I said, what do you hoped that you learned on the journey? And she said, I don't know. And I thought, wow, if I'm going to go through all of this. I really hope that I did learn something in the process Mm -hmm. and hope that I can give back so that other people can learn from my story. And you ask her that in the middle of it? Yeah, in the middle of her journey. And um, actually, she was sort of on the getting to the other side of her journey. And I was in the middle of it at the time. Um, So, Wow. I think the Lord allowed me, I think that he caused us to wait because these were the children he had appointed for us to have before the world began. And I couldn't rush that, you know, and that might seem silly to say, but I really felt like he was trying to teach me patience. He was trying to grow me into the woman that he wanted me to be so I could be the mother that I could be to these children. And I think I needed to go through that because I was very selfish and I was very self-centered. And I feel like the whole process really grew me up um, in a lot of ways. And I feel like waiting, you know, the part of waiting um, for baby number three to get here, wow, he did a lot of work on me in my 30s, Um, a lot of work on me as far as being the, the type of godly mother he wanted me to be in order for me um, to be a better mother to my third child. So, um, I don't know, you know, I, there's some things that I think as the Bible says are just going to be a mystery. And, and Mm -hmm. I think sometimes infertility journeys are, are that it's just a mystery, you know? Well, I think there's no doubt without trials, we would be the most self-absorbed, self-centered, just really probably very pious and righteous people, self-righteous people, um, on earth. And that's not what the Lord has for us. And so he, he allows us to go through trials and hardships to refine us and to make us more like him. And so I think there's no doubt that you would be a different person and a different mom. Like you said, if you would have just been able to say, okay, let's get pregnant. All right. Right away. No, no issues. Just sailing through three kids. You're done. Um, I mean, I think, I think that the Lord allows you to go through a trial, no matter what it is, whether it's infertility or hardships in other ways to refine us. But, um, I do think he uses infertility and I, and I think it's so true what you said about he, those are the children that he had ordained for you before the beginning of time. And if you would have gotten pregnant at 26, you wouldn't have adopted at 30 most likely. Um, and so I love that he, a lot, he, he orchestrated your, what you hoped was a straight road. He made it very curvy so that he could get you the directions that he needed you to, 
to get. Yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes you, he just has to, I don't know. Sometimes I think that's just his way of getting your attention too, to rely completely mm-hmm. on him. I hope that answered that question. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. So for those, so for those that are in the middle of it still, God is doing something in your heart that is a lot bigger than just answering your prayer. Um, and he's answering it in a different way that you just don't know yet. And we can't see it cause we're still in the middle of it. But when we get to on the other side, like you, we might get to see a, a, just a piece of that. And then on, on the other side of eternity, we're going to be like, Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank That's you so much. Very well said. Very well said. So you're a big advocate of spiritual health, but also physical health. Um, and I think you, you mentioned it before. You were in a very unhealthy place before. You were dealing with a lot of physical issues. Tell us about how that's played out in your own life. Yeah. My 30s, as I think I referred to before, were just, they were tough. Um, learning to be a new mom. When you adopt a child, for those of you who are waiting to adopt a child, it's like you're thrown into motherhood overnight. You don't get nine yes. months to kind of prepare yourself right. mentally for it. And I wasn't mm-hmm. prepared for that. Like nobody told me that. It was like one day I was just doing my thing and the next day I was a mom and I was having to get up in the middle of the night and feed and do all sorts of things that I was new to. Mm-hmm. So those first, you know, three or four years, I I put myself under a lot of stress. I'm a very much a perfectionist type of person and like to have control of the situation by planning things out, you know, and, and so that was a real struggle for me. And so in the midst of all of that, I um, developed several autoimmune diseases that I didn't even know I was developing, mainly because I was eating so poorly and filling myself full of caffeine just to try to keep myself functioning um, as a new mom and as a busy mom of um, a toddler and an infant at the time. And so by the time I was 38, I was just having a lot of female issues, a lot of pain. um, And the doctor's solution for what I was going through was, Melissa, I think it's just time you have a hysterectomy. Because I guess I need to back up and say, in addition to low progesterone, I also had endometriosis, which I did not say that earlier. And so um, the endometriosis apparently was just taking over in my body and causing me lots of pain. And so his solution was, let's just do a hysterectomy. And in my gut, I was like, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready to be thrown into menopause at age 38. I'm not ready to go on um, hormones and other types of drugs. And I just heard horror stories about that. And so I got real interested in let's let me let me search for another way. Because I just really felt like the Lord was telling me that was not the path for me. And So I sought the help of a holistic doctor that a friend of mine had told me about, and mainly because she was covered by insurance. I was like, okay, let's do this because it's covered by insurance. Let's find out what all these things are that are going on with me that are causing me to be on a bag full of medication that I didn't want to be on, and I I didn't want to have a hysterectomy either. So... 
I had all these tests run and that is when I found out I had adrenal fatigue. Um, I also had psoriasis and rosacea and all of those things are autoimmune diseases. And, but the biggest one was the adrenal fatigue. And I had shot my adrenal glands by staying up too late at night, then living on caffeine, coffee, diet Cokes, eating poorly. Um, and all of those things together were causing me to feel terrible, which in turn, I was not being a very good mother to the children that God had blessed me with because I was just grumpy and irritable all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, thankfully, because of this holistic doctor, I put myself through a detox. Um, and what I mean by that is I just took myself off of, she recommended I go off of sugar and grains and those sorts of things just so that I could feel better. That was the whole purpose. I was, I went in there saying, please get me off of all these medications. I don't want to be reliant on medications for the rest of my life. And so that was her goal. My goal in going to see her was, oh, if I do this, I'm, there might be a chance I could get pregnant from doing this, even at age 38. That was never my goal. It was just to feel better so I could be a better mom and a better wife and mm-hmm. to be in a better place physically and basically not to have an operation. And I feel like that through that process, I learned so much about nutrition. I also learned so much about how um, medicine, even though our medicine here is phenomenal, basically just puts Band-Aids on things to find solutions to what we're going through and that we have to be advocates for our own health um, and Mm -hmm. seek the Lord definitely, but also be willing to um, do something different. And going to a holistic doctor when you're a Christian, some people kind of frowned on me for doing that. Even family was kind of like, what are you doing? Um, But I just really felt like that was the path for me in doing something that was a more natural approach. And I'm so thankful I did. I remember saying to my OBGYN when he heard um, Abby's heartbeat, I said, aren't you glad now that I did not listen to you? (laughs) And he and I went to church together and he was like, yes, I'm very glad you didn't listen to me. (laughs) Um, So so that was kind of the start of the whole thing for me. Well, I, I mean, it's so, I mean, just like you said, that was your intention wasn't to get pregnant, but God was like, Hey, don't have a hysterectomy. Just go try this. And then that delay led you to a healthier body, which led you to a baby, which led you to, you know, your life's passion. And so once again, he just used, he used his, his little curvy road to get us where he needed yes, to be. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Love that. And then, you know, it just kind of, um, I, I will tell you that I was not concerned about nutrition or health or anything after I got pregnant. It was like, give me all the food. This is a great excuse to eat. Um, (laughs) and, um, so then it was, you know, after that I had gained 50 pounds of baby weight that I needed to 
really hone in on my health and my nutrition. And so I kind of went back to those same principles I had learned before um, I got pregnant with her and then just kept going, just added from there. And, you know, it's just, it's been a phenomenal road, not something I've ever expected that the Lord would do in my life or use me um, for in my life. But it's been nothing but a blessing. It really has. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for reaching out and sharing your wisdom with, with us and just showing us what it's like to make it through the other side and still have faith and hope and trust that the Lord had brought you through it and brought you to him in it. I love that. Thank you so much for having me on today. I want to encourage you based on what Melissa talked about, start journaling now, whether that's written or digitally things that God is teaching you through this process. What is he revealing to you about his character? Don't get to the other side of this, whatever that's going to look like and not be able to have an answer for someone. If they ask you, what did God show you through that journey? How has he molded you to be more like him? Have an answer. And by journaling and being aware of those things along the way, it's going to help you build or reflect back on that even years from now and to be able to tell your children about the journey and what God did in your heart to get to them. And similarly, friends, what we are experiencing right now, I'm sure we all understand this by now, but this is a historic time in our lives. This is going to be talked about for generations to come, much like I feel like the Great Depression in the 20s was talked about by our grandparents. Schools are being canceled, businesses are shut down, grocery stores are limiting supplies, entire cities are being locked down. Most of the world is literally at home today. I've never seen more cars in my neighborhood all at one time. This is unprecedented and it's really shocking when you think about how quickly this happened. And I'm not sure how this has affected your life. Maybe you've had to close a business for what you hope is just temporarily, but you really don't know. Maybe you've been one of those thousands of people that are already laid off. Maybe a loved one is in the hospital or nursing home and you can't visit them. Maybe you know someone who has the virus and are fearful for their lives. Or maybe you are one of the people on the front lines of this and you don't get to social distance and stay at home. You head into the fire every day and risk your own health and that of your families. And before we say another word, I just want to say thank you for serving others. My brother is a paramedic and I'm seeing the physical toll that this is taking on him. And I just, I would say y'all go hug a healthcare worker, but I know that's not allowed. So just pray for them and maybe find a way to serve them. But anyway, I just want to acknowledge that this virus is not the only thing spreading. Panic, fear, and anxiety are spreading too. I have never struggled with anxiety that much. And there was a, there was a night last week that a text came through in the middle of the night. I just happened to see it. And a friend was warning me of another shutdown coming and I panicked. I fought off nausea all night long. I was literally sick to my stomach. But that morning, I decided our home was going to change. I chose to stay off social media. I played worship music all morning for me to focus on those words throughout the day and God's character and not what was happening all around me. And God reminded me in the midst of that morning, I know your world is changing every second, but I have not changed. I'm still the same sovereign God that is in control of all things, just like I was last month. Although your world is rocked right now, this did not surprise me at all. I already know what the world looks like on the other side of this, and I'm with you through every single moment. So I just want to encourage you to allow God to work in our hearts 
through this, just like I encourage you to allow him to work through our hearts in the difficulty of infertility. Let's open up our hearts for God to move in them during this moment in history. We're living in a different time, so let's do things differently than we've ever done before. Take a break from social media. If you're feeling the urge to connect or laugh, FaceTime someone or call them. Take this extra time that we have, and instead of binging shows, start reading a Bible plan on version, maybe about something that you're facing, whether it's fear or anxiety, or read a book that points us to God's character and His power. Replace things that bring you into that negative place with things that speak life. I'm ready for things to be back to normal. I'm so ready for that, but I'm also praying that we won't return to our normal selves after this. I hope we are so much closer to God. I hope we're closer to our families and even closer to the people in our world because as I've seen it, people are connecting on a deeper level because they aren't so busy with our lives. We are going to make it through this. God is going to be glorified through it. And I believe so many people are going to find him because of it. And I'm so grateful for that. And listen, if your church isn't able to meet online through this like so many are, please join me at mine. You can go to life.church. That's the website, life.church. And there are services all week long. Right now, you could go to a church online service. This week's message was absolutely incredible. Pastor Craig encouraged us to be faith spreaders, not fear spreaders. And so that is my final thought today for us. Let's find ways to spread love, to spread faith and hope in a God who is in complete control and who is with us through every single moment. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joint Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and he is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.